it's a little bit different when it's your own business and you've kind of built it from the ground up and you've sacrificed a lot to build a business. And then this idea of bringing somebody in and having to let go of the control a little bit, that can be a huge struggle block for people. And I think that the mindset piece has to be addressed first before you do anything. That's Marina Brannigan, operations partner for consultants and coaches and founder of the Brava Business Book Club. We're speaking to Marina today for her pragmatism, her ability to put systems in place that feel right for your business and her perspective on growth. She's the best person for us to speak with to help you prepare for bringing a VA into your business and give you room to breathe. Lean in as we learn a little more. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. There's a bit of a theme running in some of the previous conversations that we've been having on the podcast and in some of the conversations I've been having with people. And there is this idea that in order to get to move beyond the solopreneur uh, stage in your business to getting to a, a next level of success in the business to get you on this growth curve, one of the big blocks is around this idea of hiring for the first time. And what I thought would be really useful is to bring a wonderful person on board to talk about that kind of preemptive step, which is this idea of bringing a VA or someone virtual to help you on that path to building your team around you. Because modern uh, business is not just about always having employees. It's about this integration between um you know, having virtual people for specific reasons and having employees or sometimes never having employees. So today I want to introduce you to someone I really, really respect in this space, who's who I worked with uh, a few years ago to help me in my business and always struck me as someone who was tuned into what I needed and always kind of greased the wheels, made it easy for me to grow. And so obviously I want to make it easy for you guys to grow. So I want to welcome Marina Brannigan. Hello. I'm very emotional hearing you say that. (laughs) Well, it is true. (laughs) So I want to welcome you because for a couple of reasons, one, I want to get do some practical stuff for people to kind of get insights of how to hire VA, because often we're really bad at hiring VAs and we're, you know, there's a shift in thinking that has to happen. But what I first thought would be my kind of interesting for people is how you grew, because you actually can't come from this HR perspective and operations perspective, which is this beautiful combination of skills that you need in this space. So give us a quick kind of cliff notes so we can get a grounding of your background. Is that okay? Yes, yes, a quick. And if if I'm too slow, tell me, because <laughs> there's lots to tell. Great. Um, so more the merrier. Yeah, like when I was in college, I worked for one of Ireland's bigger retailers, right? So they would have had branches in every town in, in Ireland. And um, when I finished college, they gave me the opportunity then to become like a trainee HR manager of the stores. So I was about 21 and I packed up and I moved to Dublin and 
uh, joined one of the stores. There were about maybe 300 employees in that store. And the idea was that I would shadow the in-house HR manager for maybe six to 12 months, learn everything from her and then move on to my old store. So that all went really well for a couple of months and I got on great with her and we had this amazing kind of chemistry and the learned loads. And then she was so good, she got headhunted <laughs> into a different company. So um, unfortunately, there was nobody to replace her. So what happened was three months into my training, I was uh, in this store with 300 employees on my own. Wow. <laughs> Which was a real baptism of fire. Now, there was a management team and there was head office and that, but certainly in terms of the day-to-day HR it was just me and there was huge learning in that in terms of going straight and off the deep end and all of the stuff that comes with that and there was also a sadness I think to me that I didn't kind of get that whole training experience and I always kind of felt that I was missing something that was a whole of my training so I think I carried that with me in terms of the HR thing but that that company would have moved their managers around different stores quite regularly so my time there I think I worked in four or five different stores and it went from stores that were maybe 25, 30 years old that would have had really long standing staff to they went through this period of expansion in 2006 and they opened lots of new stores and they gave me the opportunity to be the HR manager for a new store. So there was all of the wow. the work that came with that, huge recruitment drives, you know, getting all of the staff trained up in time for the store opening. So I think I kind of experienced the HR role at every level in that company. And uh, then moved on and did HR and a couple of others until about 2009, when my role was made redundant. It was just that time of the recession and, and the jobs were being lost. But prior to my role being made redundant at that company, there was another round of redundancies. And because I had a HR role, I was in the room with lots of people when this news was being broken to them. And it was really painful, actually. It was the type of company where people worked for a long time and there were men who were like, you know, had been there for maybe 30 years, had no other education or not much other experience, kind of felt that they were at an age where they were unemployable now, but still had mortgages and families and all that. So it was a lot of hardship and pain at that time. And I was sort of starting to become disillusioned with, the role and whether I was the right type of person for that role because I'm quite a sensitive person and I feel that stuff really deeply, you know. So when um, when I was made redundant, it took about five or five months even to find another job because I just wasn't sure of what I wanted to do. And what happened then was there was a French asset manager who were opening an office in Drogheda, which is my hometown. There was a guy who was opening the office and he needed someone to come in in a support role. So I got the job with him and to be honest, it was like a breath of fresh air because it felt like all of that heaviness that was there with the redundancies and that sort of thing was just gone and I could come in and focus on my own work and not have to worry about anything else. I have a question that's very interesting how you've, because I know that of you that you would feel it deeply. I have a question of if you have an opinion on this. HR, I remember studying HR um, in college and stuff and organizational behavior and subjects like this. And even I've worked with HR people over the last few years from a, an internal marketing perspective. And it seems to me that the way in an idealistic space, HR, the words human resources, treating your humans as resources is a really uh, constructive, uh, ideal situation. 
but there is this this sense that I've gotten over the last few years that and it's I'm probably just saying the obvious but I want to say the obvious which is it has do you feel that HR has become too uh, procedure led process led and forgets the human in the mix do you have any sense that this is changing would that have contributed is that what you felt I suppose I'm asking at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I think the type of companies that I worked for, HR was very much a compliance role. You know, you were ticking the boxes and making sure things were getting done and that sort of thing. Whereas now, I suppose, in the in the position that I'm in now, I see lots of people who are doing leadership um, yeah. coaching and that sort of thing. And I think that's almost like an outsource sort of thing now. The in-house seems to be the, the compliance side and then the outsource, that sort of thing, which... You think that's a mistake? I, d- I don't know. I think if, if it works for a company, if 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 it works for a company, then great. But I don't know what type of message does it send out to the staff that that piece is outsourced and that all of the, I suppose, the financial commitment is given to the compliance side of things. Great answer. Thank you. Continue, please. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I was working for this asset manager and it was more of an operational role. And I loved it because I would, I would have really good numeracy skills and it really appealed to that side. Love the spreadsheets, love the reports, all that side of thing. I really loved it. And I actually stayed in that job for about 10 years. And there was lots of change in that time. Um, you know, there were people came and went and then the office actually moved from Drogheda up to Dublin. So there was loads of change. Uh, but I loved it. I loved the job. I loved the structured, methodical nature of it. But what I found I was missing was the heart. Mm. And I really wanted to find something that filled that part of me. So there was an adult learning centre in Drada who were looking for tutors to come in and do one-to-one tutoring with adults who had returned to education after a long time out of the system. And um, I said, okay, that's what I'll do. I can do that. And maybe the evenings after work, whatever. So I did a tutor training course with the idea that I have a one-to-one learner at the end. And it must have come up in conversation with them, the type of work that I did, because at the end of it, they said to me, listen, we know that you're ready for a one-to-one um, learner, but actually we've got this maths group who really need a tutor. Would you be interested in, in doing that? Absolutely, I would love to do that because I, I much prefer the kind of the numbers and the things. So um, I started with that group and my gosh, did it fill my heart. Mm. Like, it was a group of maybe six, seven learners who were aged probably from the late 50s up to mid 60s, who'd all left school early, who'd had like a really negative experience at school, took this huge brave step of going back. And it was a really, really special time. And then I went back and did a postgrad in teaching for the further education sector. And I spent about five years teaching part time alongside this financial services job. So it was pretty full on and um, I was kind of getting to a stage where I knew I was going to have to make a decision between one or the other because I just couldn't keep doing both. And um, even though the teaching job was really fulfilling, things were happening that led me to believe there wasn't a real development track in that for me. And then my dad got sick and he passed away in March 2017. And I was like, okay, I need to make a decision. I felt like I was being too passive in the whole thing. It was time to do something really bold. You know, when you have that sort of, when you go through a bereavement, you have this kind of sense of life is short and let's just do whatever. So I um, I left the teaching role 
and kind of muddled over things for a little while. And then I decided, okay, my next step is I'm going to start my own business. <laughs> so I signed up. How did you make that leap of thinking? Like, because was it just such a big departure or? I think it was building for a while. And I think that in a lot of the jobs that I was in, decisions were made that were serving people based on their own agenda. And I kind of felt like I was ready to start making some decisions for me. Um, and I really wanted that kind of sense of agency. And um, yeah, so like I signed up for the Start Your Own Business course. I had no idea what my business was going to be. And I remember going into the Start Your Own Business course and the facilitator went around the room and she was asking everybody what their business was or their business idea. And everybody had something really clear. And she came to me and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but I really felt like, I just needed to surround myself with people who were in that space. And then I was like, I just needed to trust that the idea would come. And at some point during that course, somebody mentioned the terror virtual assistant. And my ears kind of picked up and I'm at home and researched the hell out of it and joined every virtual assistant group there was. And I said, yes, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then by November, 2017, I had, uh, launched rather virtual limited like I went straight in with a limited company yeah well done <laughs> at the outset I was all in and um did that kind of part-time again alongside the financial services job until April 2019 and then went for because I yeah. met you in the part-time space yeah uh, I think we met through Facebook or something like that um the interesting thing there's a couple of things that always come to me. One is when we had a chat about this conversation, I said to you, I'm curious as to the things that triggered your growth. And you said, like, where, what were the triggers that moved you? And the first thing that you said was grief. And I've actually not heard that. Like, so you, your, your language says, and the most obvious thing, the world, Finola, that this would be a time of movement. And it, and it isn't necessarily because I know that you lost your mom also uh, last year, which I'm sorry about, but it also triggered you again. Tell me, is it, it's a very interesting instant response to triggers for growth. Can you say a little bit more about it? I think, I think that's a very personal journey for everybody and it, it, it won't, it, it won't trigger people in the way it triggered me. But for yeah. me, I've always been somebody who, thinks a lot, overthinks a lot, can be anxious at times. And something like grief, again, just gives you that kick to go, listen, we're not here for mess, you know, and, and it's it's okay to be a little bit bold and what's the worst that could happen? And for me, it really awoke that courage in me to to move forward. And like my dad died at 72, I'm a 75. And so it's quite young, you know, and particularly for, for my dad, because he had that traditional kind of, you know, went out and worked and worked really hard. Like there were seven kids in my family. So he worked really, really hard to feel so. And I always felt really sad that he he retired and had a short period of time for himself and, and then passed away. And for me, I want something different. And um, yeah, so so the bereavement kind of triggers all of that stuff. But I, I know that it's a very personal journey and for other people, it's it's completely different. But I suppose that was my experience. Actually. But what a positive uh what some what a really positive thing that your dad left for you that your both your parents left for you to trigger that 
clarity that because there's a theme often when I'm speaking to you, which is around this idea of agency and this this idea of agency around uh, entrepreneurship. I had a conversation recently um, with another yet to be released episode, but another person who felt that when she looked at entrepreneurs, it was really scary to do this, where it's like unknown, high risk, all the rest of it. Whereas I always find speaking to you that you speak up, you use the word agency quite a lot. And I think that's really interesting. Is that, can you say a little bit more? Well, I think, first of all, the, like uh, I know when I went to set up my business, there was this whole thing of risk of leaving a job and a lot of people, because I don't come from an entrepreneurial background and a lot of people thought, well, why are you doing this? You know, would you not be better off in this safe job? But like I was made redundant twice, you know, so just because you're in a job, it doesn't mean that you're safer or less at risk. And actually, I think that when you have your own business, you've got that sort of autonomy and that freedom to to diversify and, and build it in a way you kind of, you can build in security in a way that works for you. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think for me, that's what the, the, the business journey gives me and the freedom to make decisions that are really aligned with at the risk of sounding woo and all that, like are really aligned with my soul purpose, you know, and, and, and creating something that brings joy and all of that, because you don't always get the opportunity to do that as an employee. I love it. Your mum got very ill then in... Uh, 2022. Yeah, correct? yeah. So one got diagnosed with terminal cancer in February 22. And uh, by March, uh, by May, excuse me, she kind of wasn't able to live alone anymore. So she came to live with me and my partner. We were just, we were set up for it. And like the fact that I worked for myself, I worked from home, it was just a, a really good natural fit. So, um, yeah, she was here for about nine months and then she passed away in February 23. So, yeah, that's a huge undertaking. Yeah. And we sort of just lived in this bubble of love and care and hugs and tenderness and sickness for nine months. And I always felt really grateful and proud that I had created this business, this thing that supported me in doing that. There was no way I could have done that had I had a nine to five, you know? And I was always so grateful to my clients because I was at a stage where, I won't go into the details of mom's sickness because she was very private, but like I had nine months of unbroken sleep and uh, that obviously affected like my levels of concentration and focus and how much I could give to my clients. And they were just so understanding. and it was very much like, really, just go and do what you need to do. And yet I, I was still able to give them what I could give them when I could give it to them. But um, it was just, it was just a really kind of sacred time. That makes sense. I'm really glad you shared this because I don't think we ever hear that story because when we chatted, we, you know, we were catching up, first of all, because we hadn't chatted in ages. and. And again, that word agency came up that it allowed you this freedom, having your own business allowed you this freedom to have this sacred time. Like it's a really powerful time. And that, and in my own experience, because I remember we met the year that my dad passed and, and, and I also will never forget this Marina, that, uh, in a time of huge grief for me, because the first year was really, really difficult. 
you were always because you'd walked it, you know, you knew what it was like. Um, and I've never forgotten that. And much like you've experienced, I also had clients who just went, don't worry, Finola, it's OK. You come when you're ready. The power of. Of and the humanness of people that we tend to forget, you know, that supports while we we are in the work of supporting our clients. There are times when they are an incredible source of support for us. Um, and I count you as one of the people who really supported me at that time, and I'm always grateful for it. Um, I think we are surprised by it when it happens, when our clients do that for us. When we are in service, yeah. you know, when we are giving to our clients, that we we don't always expect that beautiful moment to happen where they give it back to us. Was that your also your experience? Very much, very much. And uh, but then when I caught back, it didn't happen by accident, and I'm sure it didn't happen with your clients by accident. So I think that the clients gave back because we had given so much to them, you know. And I think because I'm always fully invested with my clients, and I know that you are too. And then it becomes this um, mutually supportive relationship. It's not a transactional thing anymore. And um, yeah, I think that's a really special place to work out. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. Uh, there's an interesting thing as well about your journey, which I've, and that always strikes me about you. And it's this, you mentioned earlier about um, thinking too much, but I always, and you know, overthinking or whatever. But I find in my relationship with you or my knowledge of you over the last few years that there is this consciousness. And yes, there may be triggers to leaps, but there is, it's, it's, uh, and I wonder where this comes from. And I'm wondering if it's this operational or this ability to see, you just, you seem to be very pragmatic and take a leap that makes sense at each point. It's so interesting to me when I think about your leaps, right? So if we, and you you might, you might share them with you, but I'll give you a head start. This idea that you did the Start Your Own Business course, that you had this clever moment of crossover of part-time uh, business and part-time uh, company. When it made sense financially, you flipped a switch and you went over to full-time. I still remember when you went to full-time. I know you're now celebrating five years in business, but you're longer in business if we add the part-time piece. Then you switched from, from VA to more operational focus. Then you switched and did, uh, knew that you wanted to do more uh, to skill up on speaking. So you did a course with a previous uh, interviewee on this program, Ma Maureen McCowan, and you talked about that. And that triggered an idea for an online course. And there always seems to be this forward momentum. Is it deliberate? Do you catch yourself at moments of going? And I, and we were on a, I had a program at one point called SOAR, which I will be bringing back again. But there was this idea of fermentation and then action. Can you share a little bit about this process of growth, which is not doesn't seem to be happenstance, it seems to be deliberate and yet organic. <laughs> I'm smiling and kind of laughing to myself as you say that because I suppose what you, what you see from the outside is the, these leaps and these really um, decisive moments 
But actually behind that, there's a whole heap of thinking. There's a whole heap of overthinking. There's lots of research. There's wrecking my partner's head, trying to map out what's all the things that could go wrong and, you know, that sort of thing. So all of that is going on. But I think by the time I've made the decision, I've gone through all that. So from the outside, it looks like I've, I, I'm really decisive, but actually I'm probably the worst decision maker. <laughs> but is it that not just planning? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. I think because yeah, I, if if it was just happenstance, if it was just mm. like that, you would take longer, Marina. That, yeah, yeah. Because there are people who overthink and they overthink for years. You have this kind of steady movement year by year. I see it. And it's not I don't see it just on the outside. Remember, I was on the inside, you know, so I saw it. <laughs> I, I think I think because I deliberately spend time with people who are smarter than me and people who are further along in the business journey than me. And I think that when you spend time in rooms with people like that, you can't help but kind of be brought along with the, with the courage, you know, and um, and that's really important part for me because I, I mentioned I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. I don't have um, entrepreneurial friends or anything like that. So I have to be really deliberate in my business about putting myself in spaces with people who are who are on that journey and who are a little bit ahead of me on the journey as well. So, but there you go. You yeah. deliberately, because this came up in the conversation, it was <laughs> another piece that I saw. You deliberately put yourself in spaces that have you around people that are further along the journey. You consciously do it. It came up in our conversation as well. Not just consciously, deliberately. Yeah. I think that's a really great insight for people who are trying to grow their business and not sure how, but you're, you place yourself in those situations that force yeah. you to grow. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I, I know when, when we were doing the mastermind, um, it felt like, like we were meeting every couple of weeks, whatever. And it felt like everybody, this is only my um, impression of it, it felt like everybody knew where their business was going. And I was the only one who didn't know. And I, I was banging my head against a brick wall at times. It felt like, trying to figure out the next stage because I always knew that in terms of my one-to-one work, I didn't want to go wider in my business. I didn't want to grow a team. I wanted to go deeper with my clients. And I, and I think I've done that. Um, but there's a limit to how much time you can work and all of that sort of stuff. So that puts a cap on how the business can grow. And I really struggled with how I could get to the next stage. And I remember talking about this in one of the mastermind sessions and lovely Pam, <laughs> lovely Pam Butler, mentioned this whole idea of fermentation and she said you know sometimes it's okay to just stop and let something ferment and see what comes of that and I remember making big announcements to the group going I'm in fermentation (laughs) (laughs) it just took the pressure off because sometimes you have yourself under that pressure all of the time you can't actually see the wood for the trees so it took the pressure off and then I think early 21 Maureen McCown ran her Communicate Confidence course and I knew that whatever I needed to do, I had to find my voice because I'm shy by nature, do you know, and I would I would kind of hide away from that stuff if, if I let myself. So I did Maureen's course and I hope Maureen doesn't mind me saying this, but as part of the course, you have to develop this kind of two, three minute talk to deliver to the group. And at the time I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say, like what tips are I going to give to people or whatever. And the only thing I could think of was to give people three tips to work with the virtual assistant. Because what had happened up to that point was we were kind of well into the pandemic at this stage. Lots of businesses were moving online. And in the background, loads of people were contacting me looking for support. I couldn't support any of them because I was fully booked. But what's happening on the calls was 
I was giving them advice. I was giving them little kind of nuggets as to how to find the right person and all that sort of stuff. So I, I developed that talk with Maureen and then that was kind of in the back of my mind. And then after that, I went on and did a short coaching course. Um, and and that was because I wanted to support my clients better. I was kind of finding in the one-to-one work, we'd have these conversations every week. And yes, there was the operational side, but behind all of that, there was a human being who was, you know, struggling with blocks and challenges and that stuff. So I just wanted to be able to ask better questions. And that was the reason I, I did that course. But I think the combination of having developed that little talk with Maureen's um, course and then having done the coaching, I felt like, gosh, now this, I could create something bigger with this. I can create something really comprehensive. And so towards the end of 2021, I was like, I'm going to create this course and show people how to work successfully with the virtual assistant. And I had this amazing idea. And then I just busied myself with client work and I procrastinated <laughs> and I kept putting it off. And eventually I said, I need a coach. I need a coach to get me through this. So I found an amazing coach. And for accountability what, or for guidance? Um, she actually turned out to be a bit both. Yeah. Um, but your intention? I, intention was accountability. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I really needed, I, I, I'm always very much, I think it's because when you're in a service-based business, it's a lot about the other person and not so much about yourself. So I needed that space and, and somebody to hold me accountable. And um, I remember I started working with her in January 2022. And she said to me, what's your goal? And I said, I want to have this course launched by the time I turned 40, which was June 22, given away my age now. <laughs> and we had it launched by May. And I remember doing a couple of posts about it online. And then mom moved in. And uh, there was no promotion. There was very little activity. I think I just went into maintenance mode, to be honest with you and my business. So um, the course was created and probably never really spoken about it. <laughs> But we're going to speak about it now. <laughs> so the I love this journey and I applaud you on this journey because it's conscious. It's a very, it is underpinned with consciousness, with deliberateness. And I think it's, that's more possible for people than they realize because there's also space while it's conscious and deliberate You've also had an experience where you created space to allow the wisdom to come or the insights to come with your fermentation. And I just really love that story because you can still move forward and just allow things to happen that are clues to next step. Like your two minute talk for Maureen McCowan turned into the clue for a product. So I really like that. So what I want to ask you next, because I want to move to this important topic of helping people work with VAs better. Do you think, what do you see as the most common challenges or mistakes that people make when they say, I want to hire a VA? That whole piece of, I want to hire a VA has been the first step. And and that's often what happened when people were contacting me and then I'd ask them questions and it turned out they weren't really ready to hire a VA because of stuff that happens beforehand. And I think you need to put those into place. But I think the biggest stumbling block for people has to be the mindset piece because, you know, some people have managed, maybe in a corporate job, they might have managed people before, but sometimes they haven't. And this could be the first time they have to manage a person. But regardless of their kind of previous experience, it's a little bit different when it's your own business and you've kind of built it from the ground up and you know every nook and cranny of your business, you know how everything works. Um, and you've sacrificed a lot 
to build a business. And then this idea of bringing somebody in and having to let go of the control a little bit, that can be a huge struggle block for people. And I think that the mindset piece has to be has to be addressed first before you do anything. Do you feel that it's then it's knee jerk that someone hires the VA and so that they don't have this moment where they sit and go and do the ferment fermentation piece and go, okay, well, why do I want to be a, like, what are the things that you think they should, like, it's great that you're starting with mindset. Uh, what should they be thinking about? Or should I give, give me the rest of the common mistakes and then we can go into what should they be thinking about? Yeah. I, I think another common mistake is lack of clarity and lack of clarity around where are the gaps in your business and clarity around what exactly you're going to delegate, clarity around how you're going to communicate with your VA and all of that stuff. And just thinking about that stuff in advance, because again, these are all things that if if you bring somebody in before you've gone through this stuff, it just makes the journey so charged, you know, and it's all back and forth and frustration and stuff. So I think mindset, lack of clarity. And the third one is it's not necessarily to do with the hiring of it, but it's it's this notion that you could kind of bring this unicorn VA into your business and they're going to do all of these things and fill all of these gaps. And the reality is you're probably not going to find one person to do it. Like I know my focus is operational and I've been asked many times by people, oh, can you do these Facebook ads for me? Do you know? And like, I don't do Facebook ads. And and I, I think there's a danger with that because like I've done courses and I've seen how a Facebook ad is set up. So I know the mechanics of a Facebook ad, but I don't know the nuances of it. And I think that that can be really dangerous when, when you expect somebody to come in and do all of the things. Because what happens is if they do them, they're going to be done at a kind of, I don't want to say basic because just like maybe at our level, I think that um, you're better off working with people who are specialised in different areas, you know, and you have that privilege to do that when you're outsourcing. So so is that, is it perhaps like, so if someone is getting ready to go to the next level, that perhaps they're thinking, it's not that I hire a VA, it's, that's not the question they should ask is, what's the team I need of expertise that I can hire, you know, for finite pieces of time within my budget to achieve specific things, but not one person fits all, but a team of people that can plug the gaps in my business. Yeah, but I, I do think that it's it's a process and perhaps it's finding one person to do a specific piece and figuring out how all of that works before you replicate that then across different areas. I think if you, if you go from zero to 100, it's just going to be overwhelming and, and complex. So oftentimes the VA is the first person that comes in and, you know, it's task driven and you get some sort of a flow in place and then you think, okay, I could do with somebody now to do to do the Facebook ads or to do the marketing side of things, but you've gotten used to that flow and you're more confident in how it all works and then you're kind of ready to expand the team. Very cool. Okay, let's jump to the steps someone should take when they take, when they start thinking about the first hire. Yeah. So I have five tips for successful outsourcing. Yay. I love <laughs> it. Um, okay. I think that there is a process to working successfully with a virtual assistant. And I think that these follow chronologically. And I've certainly seen this play out in successful VA relationships. And I've seen in relationships that haven't worked where those gaps were. So initially it's, you're looking at the why, then you're into what, how, when, how, who, when. So if we look at why, that's your mindset piece. And it's just so important. And I think that it really needs to be that first stage in the process. 
you really need to prepare yourself for this whole idea of letting go of control in your business and understanding the cost of not letting go. And, and really, you know, because I think if you understand everything that's at stake by not letting go, you might feel differently then about letting go of a little bit of control. So I think that's really important. Well, let's say what, let's talk about that, that cost. Is the cost is lack of growth? What would you say the cost is? I think it, it it's, depends on the person. It could be lack of growth. It can affect your own quality of life, time with your family, time you don't get back. I mean, we can always make more money, but we can't, we can't make time. Um, there's the frustration that comes with trying to do it all by yourself. Um, you mentioned growth and it's not even just growth. It's, it's also expansion, you know, in terms of looking at all of the things that you could do and, and, and all of the possibilities for your business. So expansion of self. Yeah. I've read somewhere before your business is the, I don't have this for battle now. Your business is the playing ground for your soul's expansion. I just thought. Oh, I love it. Your business is the playing ground for your soul's expansion. That's beautiful. I'll Google who that's by afterwards. It, it, no, I know who it is. It's Christine Kane in The Souls Who Are Entrepreneur. I just might not have a word for word, but uh, beautiful. It's gorgeous. A recommended book for today. Because <laughs> Marina also has a book club. <laughs> but let's move on. So I like yeah. this mindset, sitting, thinking, realizing I'm letting go of control to welcome expansion into myself and into the growth of my business. Beautiful. Love it. Next is what? The next is the what. So what are you going to delegate? Um, and what I'd say here is look at what you do in a typical day or week or month or whatever the kind of the period is most suitable for your business and look at the type of tasks that you do. And I would say just create a table. So what's in your zone of genius? What tasks are like your essence? So for example, if you're a coach, your coaching sessions are going to be your zone of genius. Um, and then you're going to look at tasks that are those kind of daily repetitive tasks that kind of follow this process that might drain your energy, but could easily be handed over to somebody else. I suppose they're like the prime candidates for delegation in the first instance. Um, you know, they're kind of, they're really important to your business and they really need to get done, but they're lower value in terms of, you know, the revenue they generate and how they light you up. So I think that that's the kind of the what of delegation. And then you're into the how, which is how are you going to delegate effectively? And I always say here, systems before people. I don't mean that systems are more important than people, but I do think that you need to have some sort of systems in your business in order to be able to comfortably hand something over to somebody without lots of questions and mistakes and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm with you on that, on systems before people. It's a real, I've learned that over the years also that you, because otherwise you have people sitting there without the support that they need. The systems helps you figure it out. But what if someone says to you, but I need help to actually do those systems. Do you think the systems have to be created by you? Or because I know there are people that you can bring in that help you put in systems. But I have a question over that because if that relationship, I've done this, this is why I have questions over it. I often find that it's hard to get support on building those systems if it's you need someone who's in with you to build those systems if you're going to get help doing those systems. Like what's your thought process on that idea of because I've seen people hire someone and then it becomes uh, an exercise and a series of Excel spreadsheets or virtual versions of that 
they're never used and never applied in the business. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, that that's often the role that I hold in a business because like, I've, I've evolved from the VA into this kind of operations piece. And like I would often go in and first of all, I'm, I'm sitting side by side with the client, looking at where the business is going, building systems around that and then the processes, which means that when it's time to bring somebody in, um, that the process is there for them. However, that's not in everybody's budget. And particularly if, if you're starting out, um, the VA might be the most affordable option. So when somebody says that they can't create like a, a process, whatever, this doesn't have to be a manual, you know, a 300 page manual of processes. It's literally looking at the things that could initially be handed over. And it, it could be a case of recording loom video. You know, it could be something really simple and straightforward. It's just something that gives the VA an idea of what success looks like to you. What does it mean if I complete this task successfully? What does it look like? And that might be a step-by-step process. In some cases, you might not be bothered with the step-by-step. You just might be concerned with the outcome. And maybe you give them the freedom to do that job in their own way. Do you know? So there's lots of different ways of doing it, but I think it's getting a few procedures in place for those initial tasks as the virtual assistant is coming into your business, they're getting used to your systems and how all of that is working. I think the processes are really important for that stage. And then as the VA gets to know your business better, maybe they become a little less necessary if the tasks are outcome-based. You know, you trust them and you trust them to do the things the way you want them to do it. Maybe the first few tasks are more kind of step-by-step. So kind of start small. Absolutely. I always say start slow and then let go. Build the trust and then wait. Very good. Very yeah. good. Okay. Who is next? Your who. So who is, we often hear things about your, you know, your ideal client avatar. And I think you should have an ideal VA avatar. I think that you, first of all, need to look at yourself, your own strengths and weaknesses in your business, your personality style, your natural way of working. And then you know where the gaps are and you can bring in the, the ideal VA to fill those gaps. Um, I think you're looking for somebody whose skills complement yours. So, for example, if you are a real visionary person and you're like all about the ideas, but maybe struggle with the follow through, you're looking for somebody with a really strong follow through. You're looking for a finisher to come in and do those things so that they keep working on this project while you're off on the next one. I think that's really important. Because isn't it very common that I would see is often people want to just duplicate themselves. Exactly, exactly. And it's really comfortable to do that because you might have the crack with somebody and, you know, they're, you're very alike. But actually, the I think in nearly all of my clients, because a lot of my clients are coaches and stuff and we're into disc and assessments and all that. And oftentimes when you look at our graphs, they're like mirror image of each other, you know, like the yin and the yang. And that's why it works really well because our, our skill sets complement each other. That brings a certain amount of tension as well because you're working with somebody so different. But I think once you have an awareness of it and the different styles and how to communicate the different styles, it brings a certain magic, I think, to the whole relationship. Love it. You always say that this kind of person in your work, that you see yourself as the wing woman. And that kind of makes sense to me if you're doing, if you are the complement, if you're the opposite of the person, you have to be the wing woman. Yeah. 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 I think like, don't get me wrong, there, there's a time and a place for transactional relationships. But I think that if, if you bring a VA or somebody like that into your business and you want them to be there with you through the journey, it's really important to build that relationship and that they become the wing woman. And you have to, you have to let them in to do that. You know, there has to be the bond of trust. There has to be the time given to, to getting to know each other and the conversations and understanding each other's world 
rather than just, you know, focusing purely on the tasks. Uh, but I definitely think that pays dividends. The when is number five. The when. So when you've gone through the why, the what, the how and the who, this is the when. So you're ready now to kind of be looking at bringing someone into your business. And um, I would just say at this stage, you're looking at making sure that you've got effective onboarding processes in place. You know how you want to introduce into your business. You know how you're going to do things like, you know, share passwords and communicate and all of that sort of stuff. And also, you're not going to want to think about offboarding at this stage, but your onboarding feeds into your offboarding because at some point you're going to have to offboard this person for your business because the chances of it being a permanent deal are next to none, right? So it's really Why? having something in place that that on runs smoothly. Um, because I think that potentially if your business grows to an extent where you're ready to hire a team, a team of direct employees, there might not be a place for that person anymore. Their business model could change. They could move on. So there's lots of different reasons why, like it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It could be really, it could be a really positive thing. It can be a sign of growth and that you're ready to move on. Uh, but yeah, I'd say the chances of you being like in the later stages of your business and still having that VA would be would be quite low. It's great advice. So in offboarding, what are the kind of things that you should be thinking about in offboarding? So you're looking at you're you're probably going to be working in the cloud, right? If if you're outsourcing remotely. So it's about removing them from any of those cloud based applications safely and securely while making sure that anything they've created is still in place. Any passwords you've shared um are removed any client relationships that they've been involved in that you've got a full understanding of, of their kind of stepping off point, you know, so that the relationship doesn't um, get affected by that. Um, any sort of input they've had into team processes. It's just making sure that you can catch whatever, I, I don't want to say dropped, but dropped is quite negative, but whatever's left behind that you're able to kind of move with that as seamlessly as possible. Um, but I think that that is a function of the onboarding. And I think that the more deliberate you are with the onboarding, that then allows for a smoother offboarding. Prepares for the offboarding and then you don't have to think about it. Can I ask you a question then? Is this process, these top five tips, is that part of your beautiful course of how to hire a VA? Or tell us about this course, how to work successfully with a VA, sorry. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? I've seen, I've seen really successful VA relationships and I've seen the power that they have. I've seen businesses grow and flourish because they have this kind of back-end support and it gives them the confidence to go out and develop new services and all of that sort of stuff. I've also seen when it doesn't work, I've seen the damage it can do to the confidence of the client and the VA. I've seen the damage it can do to business processes when things get broken and that sort of thing. So I think that taking a step back and I'm going to use that word deliberate again, doing this thing deliberately gives it a much greater chance of success. Um, my course looks at, so there's four modules. The initial one is mindset. Uh, then we look at systems before people, again, getting all of your systems in place. Then we're looking at your idea of the A and then we're looking at making it all work. So it's like things like the onboarding, offboarding, boundaries, uh, communication, all that sort of stuff. And I think it's just, it's a really practical, lived experience of um, working successfully in that relationship and sharing that then with as many people. Thank you so much. And I know that you have um, a percentage off for people who well, we'll put a link in the show notes and you have a coupon code to give some give people some money off this. Do you want to tell people? 
Oh, yes. Um, yes. So it's 2024. So we said, why not knock 24% off? So the code is, but only 24. And um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that it's well worth just I like the, the course itself. I try to make it as kind of bite sized and yet comprehensive at the same time, because I know that anybody who's at the stage where they're thinking about this stuff, they're already busy because it's nice to be able to say, you know, plan out six months in advance of when you're going to hire your VA. But the reality is we do when we're under pressure. So it's um, it's as concise as possible, nice short videos, a few worksheets to work through to get you to reflect on how you want to go into this journey. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's going to really help people to do this thing successfully. Lovely. Thank you so much. What would you like to leave people with today? Gosh, I wasn't expecting that question. What I will <laughs> say is, what I will say is my first client who wasn't a friend or a family member was the lovely Finola. Ah. <laughs> what I learned was what from Sonoda was that the relationship could be at the heart of 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 the work. And every mm. conversation we had, I know we had that shared experience of bereavement and stuff like that, but you really showed me the importance of understanding the person behind the the computer screen that um that has really made a huge difference to my business and I think all of my client relationships are like that now and yeah I think it's I think when you put the relationship at the heart of things everything else flows from that but thank you for for teaching me that wow now I'm stumped (laughs) (laughs) finally lost for words (laughs) thank you so much that's been powerful thank you I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Marina, connect with her on LinkedIn and check out bravavirtual.ie. That's B-R-A-V-A virtual.ie. And if you'd like to check out her course, Room to Breathe, How to Work Successfully with a Virtual Assistant, then check out the resources page on her website and use the coupon code FINOLA24 for 24% off. And if you'd like to support the show, please follow or subscribe on your chosen platform. It makes all the difference to the impact that I'd love this podcast to have on the world. Deeper conversations that allow us to grow, to celebrate each other's truths, and to know that there are many of us who are working with a greater purpose in the world.